I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. We're going to focus on just one verse, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. A number of years ago, I was at a Christian conference with Wynne Lewis, who was at that time the senior minister of Kensington Temple. And uh, in between sessions, we decided to go and have some lunch together. Made our way to the nearest lunch venue, which happened to be a nearby hotel. And uh, there must have been another conference going on, a business conference, because the restaurant was full of these robust, businessmen and women wearing their conference badges. And their body language was amazing. They were strong, confident, outgoing. And uh, Wynne and I had got away quickly, and after a little while, some of the other conference delegates, which were mainly pastors from the Christian conference, came in. And the difference was shocking. These men did not come in with bold body language, with shoulders squared back, chests not puffed out but held strongly. No. They came in in a concave position. Their chests were turned in on themselves. They looked as if they were carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. They looked tired, miserable, and depressed. I was talking to Wynne, Wynne was talking to me, and we were both noticing the same thing. So I said, did you see that? He said, yes, I did. What is it about the Christian ministry that weighs so heavily on these people? Now, before we go any further, there's no judgment here. And I think, actually, we need to pray for our Christian leaders far more than we do. I'm grateful for everybody who prays for me. I would not make it through if it were not for your prayers. Uh, and the other thing you need to realize is that when you're in the ministry in that sense, you're in the firing line. Now, we, we don't face the challenges you face out there in the marketplace. That's true. And we honor you for that, want to equip you for that and encourage you to make a bold stand there. But, but the spiritual backlash, and anyway, let's, let's not have a pity party, but it was just interesting to see the difference between those who are confident, self-assured, and those who were beaten down. I think it's the devil's tactic to beat us down. Round-shouldered, tired, demoralized, fragmented, and burdened, as opposed to confident and assertive. Now, assertiveness is a key word today in many disciplines. And it means basically having or showing a confident, maybe slightly forceful personality. And some of this is very, very good. Confident, forceful, self-confident, positive, bold, decisive. I used to be decisive, now I just can't make up my mind. Assured, self-assured, self-possessed, 
believing in oneself, self-assertive, authoritative, strong-willed, insistent, firm, determined, commanding, we reach the other end of the scale, bullish, dominant, domineering. Well, some of that's good. There was a, um, an advertisement for a sales position, and in bold letters it said, this job calls for assertive behavior. And so in terms of human personality, assertiveness can be a positive thing, particularly when it means being centered, being at ease with yourself, who you are, being at ease with others, not needing excessive external validation, where you don't get intimidated easily, when you are confident and inwardly strong. I'm still speaking at the level of the human personality, but I'm sure that there is a spiritual equivalent at a much higher level and perhaps even far more important. Is there such a thing as being spiritually assertive? Being centered in Christ, at ease with who you are in Him, not needing validation from others or indeed seeking gratification to fill an emptiness within from others or activities because our security and sufficiency is in Christ. We are confident in Christ and inwardly strong in the power and energy of the Holy Spirit. For these reasons, I'm convinced that God wants us, you and I, to be spiritually strong. And I think one of the keys is, is about knowing who you are, your identity in Christ, knowing what you have, knowing what you carry inside you. Don't be too shocked or distressed, but uh, it's a fact, Christmas is coming soon. Mm. All right. And at Christmas time, one of the things that we remember as a focus of much of our preaching and reflection is Mary, pregnant Mary. Mary carrying something inside her. She is carrying Christ. And in many ways, that's like all of us who know him. We are carriers of Christ. He lives within us. And if Christ is in us, what could possibly succeed in standing against us? He has already been there and back again. He's won the victory on our behalf and we can be confident in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, is one of Paul's favorite phrases. And uh, when he comes to verse 10 of chapter 6, when he says, finally, my brethren, that word finally points to all the things that he said so far. So really, to get to this message, you should go to Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, but that would make a very, 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 very long message, and I don't think anybody have any strength left after that. But I'm encouraging you to go back over those chapters yourself. And to see that phrase, in Christ, and what it means concerning you, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, what God has done for you in Christ, and that will build a confidence in you. Particularly if you 
take that teaching seriously and internalize it and personalize it. Because all the teaching, the spiritual truth, the instruction, the calls to practical action in these first five chapters will make you strong. Spiritual strength is based on unshakable spiritual realities. One of the great prophetic words of the day is taken from the book of Hebrews when God says, see once more, I will shake not just earth, but I'll shake the heaven also. God is sending a mighty shake to the nations. And that shaking is going to go on and on. Why? So that it may be revealed the things that can be shaken will be shaken, but we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. He's my friend and I shall not be shaken. Can I have a strong amen in the house of God? Amen and amen. But now from chapter 6, verse 10 onwards, he comes to his final now, what he's talking about, not what he has been talking about, which he's assuming that we've taken on board. He's going to now talk about how to be spiritually strong. And, and you know that this passage goes on to talk about the armor of God. Every piece of that armor, which corresponds to the armor of a Roman soldier, uh, has something to do with spiritual truth, walking in spiritual truth. And I'm not going to go through the armor with you today. Maybe we'll come back to that uh, at some stage in the future. I just want to focus on this spiritual strength that God wants to minister to you today. And, and the reason for this is so that you would be able to stand and to withstand. We need to know what we stand for and we need to know what we stand up against in society. A society that's drift away from God. And in the 2020s, we're going to see it all the more. Now more than ever, you need to know that you are rooted and grounded in God. And you need to know how to stand and withstand. Listen to some of these, some of these phrases. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against. The wiles, the schemes of the devil. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore. I mean, he is, he can't make it clearer. God is calling you to make a stand, a firm stand, not based on your own self-confidence as a human being, not based on what other people say, but based on your revelation of who Christ is, what he's done for you, so that you can stand up and today, in this day and generation, let the world know that we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. So, what is spiritual strength? If we go back to the human personality, we can draw a continuum. And at this end, there is, it's the passive end. It's the people who are so compliant. Uh, and, and, and they agree with everything, everybody, all the time. They, they, they cannot in any way do anything else because... That's their kind of personality. And, and if that's you, there are ways of, of coming out of that. But, but not, don't go too far, because the other end of the scale are the aggressives. The passives, the one hand, the aggressives. And these people are so self-confident. They contradict everybody. They don't listen to anybody. They, as far as they're concerned, are the beginning, the end of all truth. And they are the ones who dominate everybody else. Now, neither of those things is particularly healthy and spiritual strength is really neither of those things because the choice 
is not between being dominated or being dominating. dominating. It's, that's not the choice. Spiritual strength is of a totally different order. It is a boldness that comes from the inside of you. A boldness where you can stand up for what you believe because you are confident in your convictions and you are able to stand and withstand a lot of attack. One of the pieces of armor is that shield of faith which, which you hold up and, and, and it is able to quench the fiery darts at you. You have a defense system and that is God your, who is your shield and you are able to stand firm under attack. And this isn't new news. It's been there from the very beginning. We're under attack because we're in a battle. And we need to be able to stand and to stand healthily and to stand powerfully, not in arrogance or domination, but to be sure and secure of who we are in Christ. I think one of the favorite weapons of the enemy that he fires against us is fear, intimidation. If you are afraid, you are paralyzed. You're certainly not at your best. And there is so much intimidation coming our way. The roar of the lion, the enemy, that great liar, roaring, seeking whom he may devour. And Christians run to the little holy huddles to protect themselves and, and say, okay, well, be quiet now because we're going outside. Outside is the place to lift your voice. Outside is the place to be who you are. Outside is the place to show them that Jesus Christ is alive and you ain't afraid of nobody. Amen and amen. amen. Now, this fear and ridicule comes and this rejection and, and all this kind of stuff. And as I was saying in the video, social exclusion. Nobody wants to be excluded. We want to be included. We want to be loved. And so we, we dare not speak the name of Jesus in case we offend somebody. And, uh, and the offense can come all too quickly and it can come in very mean ways. And, uh, and so we, we, we kind of tone it down. There's a chilling effect on our faith. And we have got to shake it off. Amen and amen. I said we've got to shake it off. Amen, amen. amen. Now, what's the objective in all these things? See, fear, intimidation, ridicule, rejection, social exclusion. There's a higher goal involved, or a lower one, if you want to put it that way. See, the enemy knows that if he can bring you into a shame experience and continue carrying inwardly this permanent sense of inner shame, you will be completely ineffective for God. You cannot be bold and carry shame at the same time. You cannot be confident and carry shame at the same time. If you are ashamed, you will never be confident, never be strong. You won't even overcome your own struggles, the struggles within, let alone the stuff that's coming at you from outside every single day of your life. So the real enemy is shame. What do I mean by shame today? Shame is that deeply held belief that you're not good enough. There's something wrong with you that you don't measure up. And I think this is one of the number one things that is attacking believers today. It's a paralyzing sense of shame. 
It brings us into a form of spiritual depression and other forms of depression and robs you of every single bit of confidence. Feelings of shame. Now, unfortunately, many people have been brought up sometimes without the conscious knowledge of their parents to adopt a shame position. And as we grow up as children, infants, children, and on into our teenage years, if we have ever been made to feel that we don't measure up, that we're not good enough, there's always something more that we have to do. And, and whatever we do is not enough. We just don't get that affirmation and validation from significant people in our lives, from our parents, from school teachers, mentors and others. We can have, we can be prone to shame. We can be very shame sensitive. Let me just pause here and say, sometimes it's people standing on this side of the pulpit who are the worst offenders. Because shame is a powerful motivator. And sometimes pastors, God help me if I've ever done this, forgive me. If I ever do it, bring me up straight away. But this, this way of trying to get people to do what you want them to do by making them feel ashamed, making them feel worthless, and making them feel they never measure up. If you walk away from the services thinking that you've got, just got to do more than before and it's just about doing more and more and more so you can measure up, then either the message has been wrong or you've heard it wrongly. God instills confidence in your life by taking the shame away. Jesus carried it on the cross. We do not need to be ashamed. Amen and amen. Because we don't measure up. We've given up trying to measure up. Our measure is Christ and the measure of Christ in us is God's sufficiency for your life and for your living. Can I have a strong, bold amen? amen. That's, that's good medicine. <laughs> that's good medicine. Now, um, at the moment, I am helping a, a number of young people um, who are uh, suffering from different forms of mental uh, different forms of mental issues and, and I've noticed that in every one of them shame is right at the heart of it. One young man told me a story when he'd wanted to get back in touch with his father whom he'd never seen, hadn't seen for many years, always had a distant relationship with his father. His father finally agreed to meet him. He was overjoyed and couldn't wait to break down the barriers and he began to open up. As he began to open up, he began to talk to his father. He had never spoken to his father ever in his life. And he noticed his father's eyes seemed to just glaze over and, and, and the father seemed distracted. Finally got out his mobile phone and started going through his texts. Can you see how that is a shame situation? And for somebody who's particularly shame sensitive, that can be disastrous because what's the message that he's receiving? I'm boring. My father isn't interested in me. There's something wrong with me. I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. And that, those shame statements become self-defeating shame statements that we can be repeating over and over in our, in our minds. And do you know what? That's, that makes the devil happy, if he can ever be happy, such a miserable person. But anyway, it makes him happy because if he can get you to shame yourself, then his job's done. And we carry shame. And in religions, it's all about shame. It's all about what you have to do and you haven't done enough yet in order to be acceptable. God forgive us and deliver us ever being religious in our relationships with one another. 
you've got to prove yourself to me. I'm better than you. And we put one another down. It's terrible. And we're probably masking our own shame when we do that. We need the antidote of shame. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ. It's the glory of God. And it's the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. I also heard the story of a, a, a young child. He's an adult now, but when he was a young child, I don't know, four, five years of age, and he was out playing in the garden, and uh, he w- was barefoot in the garden, and he came back. I don't know what it was. I, well, he discovered something of great interest to a child. I don't know what it was. And he came in and he said, Mommy, Mommy, look what I found in the garden. And in a way that was so malattuned, to the boy's needs and what he was saying, she dismissed it with, oh, go and put your shoes on. Now, from her mother's point of view, that probably was an important thing to say. Who knows what was going on? But but the young boy took it as, there's something wrong with me. I I say this and something comes here from left field and, and a sense of shame. And I hazard a guess that Those type of experiences were formative in the development of this young child. And if that happens, we take it into adulthood, it's very hard to think that you can be spiritually strong. And I want to encourage us in our cell group meetings to have deep conversations. I mean, you can have them here. Yes, you can. It's not all, all, hi, bye, Nice message. Say that. Keep saying it. Good message this morning. Yes. Hi, bro. Great to see you, bro. Yes. Okay. How are we fine? God. And you don't ever expect an answer to how are you. And if somebody's honest, honest enough to tell you, usually, you, sorry you asked. But actually, Christian relationships have got to be deeper than that. So, particularly in your cell group meetings, when you are sharing, and I hope there's plenty of time for you to interact, Listen to one another with genuine interest. Not wait for your turn and, and, and say, well, oh, you've had a bad week. Wait to hear the week I've had. My week's been doubly bad. Worse than, oh no, my week's been worse. And the competition's had the worst week. <laughs> genuine interest. Curiosity. Now, you know, I don't know if this is the main reason, apart from God's call, that I'm in this job that I do. I am incurably curious about people. I love people. They fascinate me. Come with me sometimes even when I'm going to the corner shop. I, will, I want to just find out who these people are. I want to talk to them. One, one guy said to me, what was the word he used? Oh, I forget now. It was a word of honor. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. It was a Turkish word, a word of honor. And, um, and I said, you, you just called me that? Yes, in our culture, we do that to, to senior citizens. <laughs> I'm 65 this year, so this is better. Um, well, that's fine. But just I had a little glimpse of, of the respect and, and that, that kind of culture. And it, it fascinated me. And we got into a conversation about that. I'm curious about people. So listen to one another with genuine curiosity, openness, and acceptance. 
Jesus says, accept one another just as God has accepted you. God has accepted you. What right have you got to reject anybody? Amen and amen. amen. But unfortunately, oh, come on, let's, let's give me a break and give, me, give him some praise. That's a good time to pause and take some breath. Because we are living in an increasingly shame-based culture. We, we divide into our tribal groupings, and I don't mean that racially. I'm, I mean that might be politically, socially, and all the rest of it. And, and this group wants to speak out and shame that group, and that group wants to shame this group, and if you're in the wrong group, then you carry shame, especially for the Christian. And this is, I don't think they're intentionally doing this, it's not some conspiracy, but it's the way the powers of darkness operate. They want us to curl up in a ball of shame and disappear completely from public life. But I've got news for them. We are here, and we're here to stay, and we're not going away. <laughs> um, behind some of the uh, name-calling I'm, I'm going to describe in a minute, there are some real issues. But you notice how they use names to shame you even if they don't even know what the name means. So if you are sharing in the office and talking in a way that's somehow positive in upholding marriage and the family, the traditional values of Britain built on the gospel of Jesus Christ, suddenly you're homophobic. You haven't mentioned anything about it, but you're homophobic. Or if you question in order to check out religious truth claims, because they say all religions are the same. Well, they're not the same. And the moment you try and point that out, you become narrow, bigoted, Bible-bashing, fundamentalist, or if it's appropriate, Islamophobic. Who wants to be called that? Or if you question some aspect of political agendas, from whatever party or, or stream, whatever, if you, if you begin to question, then suddenly, you know, particularly if you uphold some of these traditional values, well, you're a far-right extremist. And sometimes if they don't outright reject you, they do worse than that. They treat you with indifference. I'd rather somebody be angry with me than to ignore me, as if I was irrelevant, as if our view didn't count at all. But listen, I've got good news for you. Hear it, believe it, because it's true. You are worth listening to. Yes, you are. Why? Because you have the truth, you know the truth, and you are walking in the truth. You have the truth. The confidence that comes that the gospel is gospel. It's true. We help you with presenting various affirming arguments to show that our faith is not empty, that it is reasonable, and the Christian faith is the most reasonable of all. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in God as I believe in the sun, the sun that shines, not because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. The whole world begins to make sense, and deep sense, 
when you have a Christian worldview. You have the truth. You know the truth. That's why you must always be feeding your faith. Because you know the truth. And you are walking in the truth. Genuine question. Participate in this poll if you are willing. How many people today in this place are walking in the faith, in the Christian truth? You are walking in the truth. Let's see your hands. All right, well, that's a good number of you. And some of you didn't lift your hands. Now, that is because, well, you know, you, you don't like being told to lift your hand. You may be suffering from arthritis, or well, God bless you, heal you. <laughs> but for some of you, some of you, that's a difficult thing to say yes to. I'm walking in the truth. Because in this shame-based culture, you think that any lack in your life where you have not yet mastered something that you're seeking to overcome, where you, you are falling short, uh, uh, and we, we do fall short, but that doesn't bring us into guilt-ridden depression because our righteousness is not our own. It's the righteousness of Christ. And also we are growing. We are disciples, not masters. We are learning, and, and we are not yet there, but we are making progress. It's not about perfection. Even, even if today, your idea of what Christianity is all about is a blueprint, a biblical blueprint, and you look at the blueprint, you say, I've got a lot of growing to do. You are walking towards the truth, therefore you are walking in the truth. You haven't given up the blueprint. So God bless you and congratulations. So, spiritual strength. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. It's an other Strength, not our own ego strength. It's his strength. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. This is a holy boldness, not human arrogance. It's a God confidence, not a self-confidence. We are confident before God of our acceptance and our worthiness in Christ. Now, probably many of us have passed through that valley of unworthiness. And there is a sense in which that is a credible part of our coming to Christ. But notice I said walking through. We don't live there. And as soon as you understand, as Grace was singing, grace is the only measure of a true believer. It's not us, it's Christ. And our unworthiness is lost in the infinite ocean of the worthiness of Christ. The song of the Lord is not, I'm not worthy. No, the song of the Lord is, Thou art worthy, O Lord. And we focus it on Christ, and in His worthiness we discover our value to Him, our worthiness in Christ. And a lot of this, friends... Has to, well, it begins with identity. And there are a number of statements that we have to learn to truthfully make over our lives. There's an I am, an I will, I trust, and I can. I am, I will, I trust, I can. The I am statements. 
And this is what builds confidence, knowing who you are, your identity. I am a new creation. Amen and amen. amen. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am. I am born again by the Spirit of God. I am. The I am statement. And when that true Christian identity is worked in your heart by the Holy Spirit, there is a holy boldness, a confidence, not arrogance, not a superiority. It's a humble confidence. I am whom God has made me. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. Everybody say, I am. Now, you've got to feel the statement. Now, we're not saying I am the way God says I am, all right? He is the great I am. But the one who knows what it is to say I am wants you to have an identity as well. I am in Christ. Then there is the, the I will. This is, first one's about identity. This one is about motivation. It's about your will, volition. I will. Because you are who you are, you will, you make a decision every day. I will follow Christ today. I will surrender to the Lordship of Christ. I will submit to his authority. I will walk in obedience. That's your will. That's your choice. But it's a choice that is freely made because you're, you're in Christ. And it's not about trying to get God's attention to win his approval. You walk that way because you know you are loved eternally loved and that nothing can separate you from that love. It comes from a confidence. I am, I will. Then there are some I, I trust statements. To walk by faith is largely a matter of intelligent trust. In other words, you have God's promises and you trust him. And if you can trust him with every situation, then you, you can walk without fear in every situation. Say, I trust you, God, for the outcome. Even if it's not my A plan. It might be my A, B, it might even be my Z plan. But the fact is, God's in control and he knows how to plan better than you and I, even those who've been to business school. Praise God. Trust. It's a conscious decision to place your trust in Christ. You can be confident. He will not let you down. I am that is identity, I will, that is to do with your motivation, the volitional area, I trust is about simply learning to rest in his love. And then there comes an I can. Can you think of some I can statements? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For the Christian, there's no such word as I can't, it's I can. Because it's not your ability. You're involved, you're cooperating, you're stepping out. Sometimes it feels scary. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it's just awful. But I can. I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. If we learn to make these self-statements, not building up the self, but building ourselves up in Christ, to come out, step out into the outside world carrying an assured, surrendered self. You are a candidate for the power of God. Yes, you are. And nothing's impossible with you, with God. So this comes from the Lord and also comes from the inner working of the Holy Spirit. 
uh, in the book of Ephesians 3.16, it says, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, obviously they needed this message that I'm preaching today. He said, I pray that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Look at the resources that are available. The riches of his glory. How much riches does God have? It's, it's inestimable. It's priceless. It's infinite. There are infinite resources of God's riches, of his glory, and out of that, Paul says, I pray that you would be strengthened with might. Good strong word, might. Through his spirit, not in the muscle man, but in the inner man. Amen. This is a spiritual strength, spiritual might, that comes through the Holy Spirit, working on the inside of you. One thing you have to be confident about is wherever you go, the Spirit goes. Meaning, He's with you. And He's working in you. And on, He's always up to something good. He's always working out God's plan. If you're going a bit astray, He will talk you back. If you're weak, He will strengthen you. He'll do whatever it takes to get you where God wants you to be and he won't just send you, he will enable you. He will go with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is your helper. Helper. So this comes from God through the inner workings of the Holy Spirit and it always manifests. You don't have to worry about the manifestation. It always manifests. Go back to that picture of a particular group of church leaders that were beaten down and a particular group of business people who were pumped up somehow. Uh, it manifested immediately. You, you could see it visibly. And, you know, I'm not asking you to walk around in an arrogant kind of a way, a kind of domineering kind of a way. Back in the 80s, we had power dressing. And we, we even got into it. I had a power tie. We'd need no electricity in those days. You'd just look at the tie and that would dazzle you. But it's not about these external things. It's about an inner strength. And what's happening on the inside reflects. When you're in that position of spiritual strength and that's your self-identity and you are flowing in that, you feel good about yourself, not in a self-gratifying kind of a way, but you know who you are, you know what you have, you're not threatened, you're not in a position where you need everybody to validate you all the time, or you're not looking to have your needs met and to be gratified by other people in any way at all, which is the root of so much stuff that leads us away from God. No, you, you are, you're sufficient in Christ, and you are walking in a level of fullness. And when this happens, it manifests Think about Matthew 12, verses 34 and 35 that are coming up on the screen here. Jesus is talking about essentially the born-again experience that God gives you a new nature. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad. But he says this, verse 34, Out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. 
And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. In other words, what's on the inside manifests. It manifests in your body language. It manifests in your speech. It manifests in your thinking. It manifests in your action. Because you are so centered. You know who you are. You are strong in the Lord. You are not intimidated. You are not put off by anybody that wants to reject you. In fact, you have more compassion and you have a conviction that what you've got on the inside is good and the world needs it. The world needs it. Out of the good things stored in the treasure of a good man's heart, out of that treasure, good things come. And heaven knows, there are enough people who've got a lot of dirty stuff in here, bad stuff in here, and their voice is being heard. They are the ones who grab the microphone. They are the ones who take the dominant positions in society. They are the ones who try to shame and name people who disagree with them. Now, we don't enter that battle at all. We're not going to try and compete in any kind of a way. We're just going to be who we are in Christ and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You will walk in a holy boldness and you will declare to anybody who is willing to hear, Jesus Christ is Lord. Give him a big, 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 big praise. Hallelujah. Boldness, holy boldness, spiritual strength. The secret of spiritual strength then is being centered on the Lord. Confident in who he is and what he's done for you. That way you can stand in every situation, boldly speak and act in his name with wisdom, with grace. We understand all that. But in the same way, you can be positioned by the Holy Spirit to be the one thing that stands in the way of evil and use your influence as the Holy Spirit leads you. In every day, you can also overcome it in yourselves because that's the biggest battle, the stuff that's going on in here. But if you know who you are in Christ, you say, wait a bit, this little bit of me don't belong to me, goodbye. Go to the cross. That's where you belong. You can overcome with confidence because you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can work, and you can, sorry, you can walk in victory. And this is the true life of faith and victory. Knowing who you are, living accordingly, and being strengthened by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ by the love of God and by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That wasn't the grace, we're still gonna say that at the end. I give Jesus praise as they come back right now.